Praise God. Would you turn with me to our text that we've looked at, Romans, the 8th chapter, and Galatians chapter 5. We've been teaching on this subject for, I guess this is the 10th Friday night, and we've been talking about the spiritual man as opposed to the carnal man. How many want to be spiritual and not fleshly, not carnal, not flesh ruled, but spirit led? And we've been talking about, you know, we covered a lot of ground on this. And if you haven't been with us and you'd like the rest of it, tapes are available. But um, Romans 8, are you there? Romans the 8th chapter and the 5th verse. Romans 8, 5 says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. Does it make any difference what you mind or what you keep on your mind? A big key, a big part of being spiritual or carnal is what you keep on your mind. You keep just carnal, natural, fleshly stuff on your mind all the time, you'll be carnal. If you're spiritual, you're going to keep spiritual things on your mind. And you set your affection not just on things beneath, but on things above. And whatever you think about, talk about, whatever you watch and listen to all the time, that's going to get inside you. And that's what you're going to be, you know. Sometimes physically they say you are what you eat. And you, and really you are. I mean, uh, the flesh that's on your bones was created out of cornbread or biscuits or peas or whatever it is you ate, right? I mean, your flesh wasn't constructed out of thin air. It was developed out of things you put in your mouth that got in your stomach, got in your system, became part of you. Well, you are spiritually what you eat too, whatever you feed on. How many know some books are poisonous? They poison your spirit. Some TV programs, some magazine articles. You just how many? You know, don't raise your hand, but uh, are there things you wish you'd never seen? Things you wished you'd never heard because it haunted you, so to speak. I mean, it just came back. You'd see that scene again and just have to cast it down because it's bad. You'd have been a lot better off if you'd never seen it. But aren't you glad about the good things you've seen and the good things you've heard? And that's one reason we want you reading that chapter every day. Amen. Amen. You're a broke record, Brother Key. That's right. Read your chapter. Read your chapter. Read your chapter every day. Read your chapter. I know what it'll do for you. Amen. He said, verse 6, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. He said the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now we're living in the flesh, but he's talking about walking in the flesh. We're alive. We have a physical flesh body. But he says you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, he goes on to say, verse 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself, or many translations say himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, we got into last week some detail about how a big part of being spiritual is being led of the Spirit. Another way of saying, I mean, carnal people are led by their stomach, led by their eyes, led by lust, led by greed, covetousness, all these things. I mean, that's another way of saying being carnal, being flesh ruled and dominated. But a spiritual man or woman, is someone who is led of the Spirit of God. Of course, all the fruit of the Spirit, led by love, led by joy, led by peace. How many know there are times when you have to make a decision whether you're going to be up or down? Whether you're going to be depressed or joyful? 
Now, sometimes people say, well, yeah, but now, Brother Keith, I just, you know, I'm not a put on. I'm not a fake. And if I don't feel good, I'm not going to act like I do. I'm just real. (laughs) Well, you're just real carnal. It's a fact. Being spiritual means you put on the new man. Amen. Amen. How many know you can put on joy when you feel like crying? Can you? Can you put on faith when you're tempted to doubt? Can you? Yes, you can. I mean, if you have to, you take some toothpicks and you prop up the corners of your mouth. Is that right? And you say, like David said, soul, bless the Lord. I will bless the Lord. Amen. Don't always feel like it. That's being spiritual. You know, when you feel like staying in the bed, pulling the covers over your head. Hmm? Get up anyway and shout and go, glory to God, this is a good day. And your head says, why? I don't see anything good. You say, shut up, head. I didn't ask you. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will will. Will to. Didn't say you always felt like it. I will be glad. I will rejoice. What did the scripture say? Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. What? What? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Can you do that? Can you shout when you feel like crying? That's being spiritual. I said that's being spiritual. Can you, when somebody's made you mad and rubbed you the wrong way and you feel like slapping them and giving them a piece of your mind, can you pull that back and control that anger and control that, not let those ugly words get out of your mouth, and can you smile and be sweet even though you don't feel like it and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bake you a pie. (laughs) I'm going to send you an offering. Huh? Can you do it when you don't feel like it? That's being spiritual. I said, that's being spiritual. Even though your body and your soul and your mind has other thoughts and feelings, you don't let that rule you. You let the love of God rule you. The peace of God rule you. The Spirit of God on the inside of you. Now, uh, go with me over to Galatians, the fifth chapter. Let's look at our other main text we've been looking at. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5.16, he said, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How can you keep from giving in all the time? Walk in the spirit. But somewhere that term just kind of goes over most people's mind. Another way of saying it, be led of the spirit. Follow the leadings and directions of the Holy Spirit inside your spirit. Yield to the Spirit. Obey what you got inside and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Spirit of God deals with you go to church. Well, if you yield to that and go to church, well, then you're not going to do something dumb when you should have been at church. Amen. You're not watching the wrong program when you're reading your chapter. <laughs> right? I mean, you're... You're not off doing something or watching something you shouldn't be doing when you're laying in your bed praying. Follow what the Lord leads you to do inside and you won't be doing the wrong thing. Be busy doing the right thing all the time and you won't be doing the wrong thing. Walk in the spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, you're not under the law. Led of the spirit. Is being spiritual, does it involve being led of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it does. Yes, absolutely. Now, we went into some detail last week talking about what the witness and leading of the Spirit is not. We talked about needing. A needing is not a leading. We talked about that a wanting or desire is not a leading. We talked about that a reasoning, a logic, is not a leading. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. But I want to talk some more tonight about what the witness of the Spirit is, identifying it 
knowing what is the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, I think sometimes we need to stop and give some detail because, uh, I mean, like you hear me say, sometimes the Lord told me something or the Lord showed me something. And sometimes people say, ah, what does he mean? You know, God told him. Uh, and actually, I heard two ministers having a discussion about this one time. And this one fellow said, all these people talking about God told me. And God told me this. And God told me that. That just bothers me. All these people talking about God told me. Other fellow said, well, I'll tell you what bothers me is all these people who never hear from God. <laughs> so, well, what's the thing? Well, I, so many times people are, are thinking, being natural and maybe a little more carnal, they're thinking of natural things. God talks to me in a natural way. He is a spirit, and he communicates with your spirit. And he can do that without audible voice. Now, let me just give you an example here. What if my mind was in his brain with his mind? Somebody said, that couldn't be. Uh, Two brains couldn't feel the same. I didn't say brain. I said mind. Your mind is not your brain. They could surgically remove your brain and you'd still have your mind. You just couldn't express it in this physical realm. And when you die and your body is laid in the grave, you're still you and you still have your mind. Your brain, sometimes people say, well, the brain is, oh, what a marvel. All of humanity came out of this tissue. No, it did not. No, the brain, it's amazing, absolutely. But the brain is simply the physical organ that the mind functions through. Your mind's a part of your eternal spirit being. But if my mind was inside Mo's head with his mind, I wouldn't have to communicate to him verbally and physically. If I thought something, he could pick up that thought. He could know because my mind's inside his mind. Is there another spirit inside your spirit? The Holy Spirit. Then is it possible that you could pick up from him his thoughts? And communication. And isn't it possible, I mean, that you can get something from him uh, that you just know in just less than a second of time. And it might take you two years trying to explain it. But you just know things intuitively. Glory to God. Well, he leads us through this uh, witness of the Holy Spirit. The scripture said, we just got through reading, he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you're born again, does the Holy Spirit let you know on the inside that you're a child of God? How did he let you know that? You're not necessarily talking about you heard an audible voice, though that can happen. Not talking about a physical feeling per se, but can a person get up from the altar being born again and say, I know, I know that I know that I'm saved. Well, how do you know that? Because there's somebody else inside you. Amen. And your spirit is going, I know I'm saved. And then somebody stronger than your spirit stands up inside you and goes, yeah, that's right. You are. (laughs) Not a voice per se, but that witness, that knowing. And this is what every child of God needs to train themselves to be aware of and to be sensitive to. You know, billions of dollars have been spent on the development of the physical man. Billions of dollars have been spent on the development of the human mind. But most people don't even know they are a spirit. So they don't know that you're supposed to develop your spirit. They don't know that you're supposed to pay attention to your spirit. Amen? Amen. Now, go with me, if you would, in the book of Romans over to the ninth chapter. And let's go into some more detail about how to identify the witness of the Spirit and how to realize the direction and leading of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 9. Well, I tell you, read Romans 8 again. I just got through reading it, but you're right there close by. Read it again. Romans 8, verse 14. Read it out loud with me. Romans 8, 14. For... As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are 
the sons of God. Now verse 16. Read it with me please. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. What part of our being does He bear witness with? Our mind? No. Our physical body? Our emotions? No. Our spirit? So if you want to hear from Him, you have to identify your own spirit. Because He's going to communicate with you through your own spirit. Uh, it's kind of like this. If I was going to call you, telephone call, should you wait by the refrigerator? Huh? Can I call you through the refrigerator? No. Should you wait by the stove? I'm not going to call you through the stove. How am I going to call you and communicate with you? Through the telephone. Right? So if you're not aware of the telephone, you and I are not going to talk. Well, how's the Holy Ghost going to communicate with you? Through your own spirit. Well, if you don't realize you are a spirit, if you're not aware, if you're only aware of your mind and your body, then it's going to be a challenge for the Spirit of God to lead you and direct you. Said out loud, I'm a spirit. I have a mind. I live in a body. So you're not just mind and body. Nor are you a mind. Nor are you just a physical. You know, people try to tell us, well, we're just a higher uh, evolution of animal. We're just, we're an animal like the rest of the animals. No, we're not. We're created in the family of God. Where he's a spirit, we're a spirit. There might be a lot in common with our bodies and the bodies of animals, but there's a whole lot of difference in our spirit. Now, in the ninth chapter of Romans, turn right on over there. How does the Lord communicate with us? Through our spirit. In the ninth chapter of Romans, Romans 9 verse 1, he says this. He said, I say the truth in Christ. I lie not my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Listen to that language now. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. Does our conscience have anything to do with the witness and leading of the Holy Ghost? Absolutely. Well, you could say one person said it like this. Conscience is the voice of the Spirit. And I, and I would use that word voice loosely because it's not per se hearing a voice. But. Just like reason is the voice of the mind, feeling is the voice of the physical body, and conscience is the voice of the human spirit. And it'll help you, this will go a long ways toward helping you to identify your own spirit. Do you know you have a conscience? Hmm, got four people nodded their head. Would anybody here agree that you have a conscience? Have you sensed your conscience before? Now, most of the time, all people know about conscience is if they've hurt their conscience. But there's a very positive side to the conscience. Not only can your conscience be hurt, but your conscience can be very positive in influencing you in the right way, right direction. Everybody say conscience. Let's look at a few more scriptures along this line. Go to the book of Acts, please. Acts, the 24th chapter. Acts 24 and 16, the Apostle Paul says this. Acts 24, 16, he says, Herein do I exercise myself. Everybody say exercise. exercise. Who was doing it? He said myself. And I'm exercising myself to have always a conscience Void of offense toward God and toward men. Is this something we have a part in? Just like you have to exercise your body to keep it in good shape. You have to exercise your mind to keep it in good shape. You must exercise your spirit. There's a lot of people whose spirits are pitifully weak and undeveloped. Their spirits have not been fed. You understand, not just anything will feed your spirit. 
The Bible talks about being nourished up in the words of faith. Amen. The word of God feeds your spirit and the word of God puts faith in you. Just talking about politics and, and social reform and, and gossip and all this stuff. And he said and she said and we think and this is our opinion. And this is our theory. That's not going to feed your spirit. But thus saith the Lord, feed your spirit. But that's not all there is to it. You've got to exercise. Everybody say exercise. Exercise your spirit. And he said, all the time I do. Do I exercise myself to have always a conscience? And here's this word conscience again. Void of offense toward God and toward men. A conscience void of offense. Is it important to keep a clear conscience? Oh my. It's how the Lord leads you. You start ignoring your conscience in the same motion you're ignoring the Holy Spirit. And you ignore God's dealings with you and the voice of your spirit, which is conscience, and you will in effect dull yourself and make yourself dull to the leadings of the Lord. How many would like to be so sensitive and so sharp spiritually that when he whispers to you, you get it loud and clear and you know exactly what he's saying to you and you know it's him. You can have that. I said, you can have that. In fact, you can have a definite witness in your spirit of direction, even in the small things of life. Should I go? Should I not go? Should I go here? Should I not go there? Should I buy this today or should I wait? You should be getting a witness inside you. Now, when you say that, sometimes people think, oh, now, Brother Keith, I just don't, you know, God's too important to be fooling with me with all my little stuff. And I, you ever heard people say this? I just don't want to bother the Lord with that. Well, you don't understand some things. I think they have this picture of God uh, sitting at one of these 1940s or 50s style switchboard. You know, with a great big old head set up and here the lights are lighting up with prayer calls coming in from all over the world. And he's putting the jack and cable in and going, yes, and answering and yes, and answering. And he's got perspiration on his brow and the whole thing is lighting up and you're thinking, well, God is very busy and I don't want to bother him. There ain't no heavenly switchboard. I know people saying, call him up and tell him what you want, but. There ain't no heavenly switchboard. God doesn't even have computers. He wouldn't have a computer. A computer to him is like an ox cart. He just has no use. He's way on out beyond computers. He is sitting on the throne. High and lifted up. He is omnipresent. Everywhere present at once. He is omniscient. He know he's aware of all of it and he's not tired and he's not breaking a sweat. He hears the widow's prayer. He hears the king's prayer. He hears the preacher's prayer. He hears it all at once and is able to discern it clearly and answer it all at once. He can help all these people all over the world and find you a parking place downtown with no problem. Doesn't overload him. Doesn't tax him. In fact, you have not because you, not because God's too busy, because it's not important enough. No, because you ask not. Let me say it again. Do you believe we can be led of the spirit in even the small things of life? Yeah, you can. And you don't have to be praying big prayers and you don't have to be screaming at the top of your voice. You can just be preparing and go, let's see. Now, what do we want today? What would be better? You know, what would they like better? Apple pie or blueberry pie? And you just say, hmm, blueberry, yeah. And just not making a big deal out of stuff, but you just have a knowing which way to go, what to do. Protected. I was talking to somebody a while back, and they were getting ready to go, and uh, the Lord dealt with them about a certain, they were traveling that day. They didn't hear a voice, they didn't see a vision, but they just had something in them, stay right here 30 minutes. They're ready to get in the car and start it and go. And they just had to stay right here. Just And thank God they had exercised themselves enough to understand these things. Now, a lot of times people jump in their mind and go, why? That don't make sense. Well, if something's wrong, why don't God just tell you? But he just did. 
Question is, do you have enough sense to discern it and heed it? You know, I say this all the time, and I don't mean to sound too hard about it, but we need to correct some things. People say, I just don't understand, you know, why did God let that happen to that good man of God and that woman of God? Why did God let that accident happen? Why did God let this? Why did God let that? That ain't the question. The question is, why aren't his people listening to him? He is leading. He is directing. He is protecting. But people are not listening. They're ignoring these things. They're overriding their conscience. They're overriding these witnesses and plunging off into destruction. And now that doesn't mean that if a good man or woman missed God and zigged when they should have zagged, went when they should have stayed, and was cut off, with that doesn't mean that they're lost. They went to heaven. They love God. They know God. But they were robbed of more years and time that they should have had down here. Any of us could miss it. You ever missed it? Yeah, we're not going to throw any rocks, but let's grow. Let's develop. Let's not be dull and carnal. Let's be sharp, sensitive, spiritual. Can you say amen? Notice here a big part of this, a conscience void of offense. Void of offense. Go with me back to the, uh, uh, let's see, the book of John, the eighth chapter. John chapter eight. In 1st John, excuse me, not 1st John, John, Gospel account of John, the 8th chapter, this is the story, you know, when they found the woman and they said, we caught her in the very act of adultery. And they tried to catch him and they said, you know, what do you say? The law says stoner, but what do you say? And in verse 7, Jesus said, he that's without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And he just stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being, verse 9 now, John 8, 9, when they heard it, they were what? Convicted by their own conscience. Now, does that mean they heard a voice? Does that mean they had a vision? Does that mean they felt something physically necessarily? No. What is your conscience? It's like we asked uh, last weekend, the scripture talked about it seemed good, seemed Good. And we ask the question, where's your seamer? Well, what is your conscience? Where is your conscience? Conscience is not mental reasoning. Conscience is not logic. What is your conscience? It's a sense inside you. Have you ever missed it? And your heart bothered you? Your conscience bothered you? Well, that's your spirit letting you know something's wrong. Well, he can let you know something's wrong when you didn't miss it. Or he can let you know something's right. Amen? By that same sense, by that same inward knowing, the voice of conscience. Says they were convicted by their own conscience and they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. She had sinned, but he said, I'm, they didn't condemn you. Neither am I. You know, a great lesson to learn here, too, is Jesus didn't try to be their conscience. He made a statement that helped them to see something and just let them deal with their own conscience inside themselves. Don't try to be conscience to somebody. Hmm? I need to camp on that a little bit. <laughs> Someone said, well, if I don't tell them, they won't even know right from wrong. You're hurting them. Now, little children's different. You know, you t- I'm talking about adults. Well, I've got to tell them. No, you don't. You need to let God deal with people. Amen. Don't try to be somebody's conscience and always telling them what they should do and what they shouldn't do. You'll keep them spiritual babies. You'll keep them crippled. You don't want them dependent on you. As soon, listen to me ministers, listen to me all people of God. As soon as you're able, wean people off of you onto the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? I said, don't be somebody's conscience. Hmm? Don't play conscience for somebody. Don't always be trying to tell them what to do and wean them off of you. I know I've had different people work with me and under me for decades now. And a lot of times when they first came, 
if they were really spiritual baby, hadn't been saved long, didn't know much. And sometimes they have faith in my faith. And there have been cases where people wouldn't even try to pray for themselves until I got back in off the road. They believed when I prayed for them, they'd be healed. And sure enough, I mean, a lot of times before I could get my hand off their head, symptoms would be gone. And sometimes that happened for even months and sometimes longer. But, you know, eventually they'd say, you know, Brother Keith, pray for me. And I said, well, you pray for you. And I'll scotch for you. I'll back you up. I've had people get mad at me go, well, I don't want to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. And I said, well, I know it, but God will hear your prayer just like he'll hear mine. Yeah, but, yeah, but, no, yeah, buts. You've been healed many times and you know he hears. And uh, I've had people get aggravated. One minister friend of mine, he came. Well, let me back up. Will you remember that story while I tell you another one? Uh, I was in... I was in a pastor's house one time, and uh, his daughter was had a bunch of flu symptoms and was in the bed. And we had a service, and when we got back in, he said, would you come over and pray for my daughter? And I knew this family. We were great friends, go way back. And I said, well, sure. And I knew this. She's now 17 at that time. She, I knew her when she was crawling. So we went in there, and I go to lay hands on her, believe God for her healing. And the Lord said, no, she knows too much. Don't you pray for her. I said, hmm. I began to realize she's 17 years old. Her daddy's been a pastor, preached faith to her all her life. She's been healed. She knows some things. You see, you understand, the Lord expects more to whom much is given. Hmm? Much is required. The more you see and the more you know, the more he expects of you. You know, we don't think it's anything strange that we're carrying a two-year-old in our arms. But a 20-year-old, <laughs> right? I said, 20-year-old, I mean, people look at you funny. I think, put that big fella down and let him walk on his own. What's wrong with you? And there comes a time spiritually just the same way when people need to start praying for themselves and believing for themselves. And, you know, that's one thing I'm so excited about this church because that's happening. I said, that is happening. We've had testimony after testimony after testimony of people that they didn't call us and, and they didn't grab somebody else. They stood on the word themselves and got results for themselves. Then stood up and gave God the glory. This other story, remember the story I told you to remember? Did you remember? A minister friend of mine, he came, he said, Brother Keith, I want you to believe with me, you know, believe for this, for me. And I said, well, I said, God will hear you. He said, yeah, but I wanted you to pray. I said, well, yeah, but he'll hear you. You know, sometimes people just say things mindlessly. I don't know at the times I've had people grab my hand and say, now, Brother Keith, every time you pray, pray for me. <laughs> you ever heard that? I ain't going to do it. <laughs> I got plenty of stuff to pray about myself. Why do I need, you know, really people don't realize it, but they're being spiritually lazy. They want you to do all their praying for them. They want you to do all the believing. Well, what are you going to do? Go home, watch TV while I pray? I don't think so. <laughs> now, we need to be here to help each other when we need it. But there's a whole lot of stuff you can take care of yourself. And especially the stronger you get, and the more you know, instead of you getting somebody to help you, you're the one helping somebody. That's the will of God. And so I told him, I said, well, uh, I said, God will hear you. He'll hear you, not you plus me. He'll just hear you right by yourself. And he'll honor your faith, not just yours plus mine, just yours. And I said, and I'll say amen when you get through praying. He got kind of miffed. He said, well, I, I came to you. I wanted you to pray. I said, I know it. And don't be offended. I said, but uh, God will hear you. He said, well, okay. He went up about three months later. He came and kind of haughtily, he said, well, I just want you to know, bless God, I got it without you. I said, that was the idea, buddy. He smiled. He said, I know it ain't it good. God will hear me. Just me. He was excited. You don't have to ride somebody else's coattail and somebody else's faith all the time. Somebody said, I'm growing up. I'm getting stronger. Amen. 
Amen. So you can help people who legitimately are babies. But let's talk a little bit more about this conscience thing. Go to 1 Timothy. And I'm at least thinking about closing. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy 4, 1 says, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith... Now, that means they were in the faith. You can't depart from somewhere unless you were there. Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now, this is not talking about the church of Satan. This is talking about stuff that comes across pulpits. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. You know, that's one of the greatest indicators that somebody is not right is any degree of falseness. There is no shadow of turning, and God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. God, there's no pretense to God. There is no falseness. There's no facade. You know, there are even some groups that talk about holy deception. Yeah, I've heard the term. Nothing could be further from the nature of God. The devil is the father of lies. And when he speaks a lie, he's speaking his own language. And any time you're around somebody and preacher or Christian or whoever, and you see that they're falsifying things and they're leaving wrong impressions, you know that's wrong and it's indicator of bigger problems. Somebody that's right is genuine, honest. Sincere. Amen. The truth. God, I mean, the Spirit of God is called the Spirit of truth. He is light and truth and reality and sincerity itself. No such thing as falseness being in God. Keep reading. They speak lies and hypocrisy, having what? Their conscience seared with a hot iron. How did they sear their conscience? Telling lies, being hypocritical, right? Pretending. I hate lies. Do you? I mean, I despise it. You know, you, especially if you're part of the church. Now, let me just tell you, you'd be better off slapping me or running into my car than lying to me. You understand what I mean? To me, that is the greatest insult. I have an enemy of my soul that tries to hurt me by lying to me every day. Is that right? He tries to deceive me from morning till evening, and he is my enemy. And if you try to deceive me, you're with him. If you try to get me to believe a lie based on our friendship... You try to get me to believe you telling me something that's not true and I'm trying to believe you because we're friends. You're a traitor. You're betraying our confidence. I mean, it's one of the most devilish things you could ever do. Lying is awful. I mean, it is bad on so many levels. We won't even try to get into it. But everybody said out loud, I hate lies. I love the truth. You understand, you don't lie for anybody. You don't lie for your husband. You don't lie for your wife. You don't lie for your mother. You don't lie for money. You don't lie for anything. If it costs you, you tell the truth. Hmm? I've had people tell me, well, I can't afford to tell the truth. I don't think they can handle the truth. Are you telling me the Lord told you you didn't have to tell the truth? You could tell a lie? No. There are no options other than the truth. But when you tell things that are wrong and you yield to things that are wrong, it has a searing effect on your conscience. When people are born again, they're born spiritual babies, but their consciences are tender. Their spirits are tender. I'm talking about when you first get saved. And you're supposed to keep it that way. And you can tell when your heart's tender, you cry easy, 
You shout easy. Amen. You're not hard. You're tender. Doesn't mean you're weak. How many believe Jesus was sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Was he tender hearted? Was he compassionate? Was he weak? Absolutely not. In fact, it takes a lot more strength to be tender hearted than it does to be hard hearted. Being hard hearted is being weak. You can't deal with things. You can't handle things. You're scared of things. So you put up these walls and try to pretend and hide and run. It's being weak. A strong man can deal with the truth. Strong man or woman can cry. Can repent. Take strength. How many strong people do I have in here tonight? Well, when you're a baby and you're just starting to walk with God, if you miss it, you do something you shouldn't do. Or you fail to do something you should have done. Your conscience is going to bother you. Your spirit's going to bother you. What should you do? Paul said all the time, I'm exercising to keep my conscience void of any offense between me and God, between me and other men. He was diligent about that. And if you don't, if something bothers you, you know, you spoke hard to somebody. You treated them wrong and you leave and you go home and you lay there half the night and can't get to sleep. And you go, man, that ain't right. I shouldn't have done that. Well, if you're too proud, you won't admit it. You won't make it right. You'll try to ignore it. Next day, your conscience is bothering you. Next day, your conscience is bothering you. But you don't do anything about it. What's happening? Searing. Dulling. Callousing. See, there's friction there. The Spirit of God inside you is dealing with you, but you're pushing against it. You're trying to push it down, suppress it, quenching the Spirit. trying to. Die. And what happens if you do that long enough, it'll get where it doesn't bother you. But you're in bad shape. Did you hear me? You can keep ignoring your conscience, keep ignoring what's inside you, and you do it long enough month after month, year after year, you'll get where it doesn't even bother you that much anymore. It doesn't mean you're lost, but you're dull. Your conscience is dulled. And I mean, God could be speaking to you through a microphone and you wouldn't hear it. You're dull. Oh, but I got good news. Anybody want some good news? In closing them. Good news. I told you this before, but it'll bear repetition. Years ago, Phyllis and I first got married. I got a job working on the docks, loading freight. And I mean hard work. We worked outside in the elements. And we, you know, we moved heavy stuff. And over a period of time, my hands got really calloused because I'm doing so much hard, physical, manual work. And some of the guys that had been there for 10 years or something, I was the little guy in the bunch. They were big brutes of men on this dock, man. They were big, tough guys. They'd sit there at lunch sometimes and pull out their little pen pocket knife and just cut inside their hand and didn't even feel it. Callous is so thick. Calloused. What caused those calluses? All that friction. All that friction between them and the stuff that they were moving. Well, after several months and after a year or so, my hands begin to get callous at first, you know, blisters and everything else. But after a while, my hands begin to get really thick. And you know, when it's thick like that, the feeling is not there, is it? The sensitivity is not there. You lose sensitivity. I mean, you could, like that guy's cutting into his hand, couldn't even feel it. Here's the good news. I don't have any calluses tonight. I said, I don't have, I've got little tender hands. I mean, almost too tender. (laughs) Preacher hands. (laughs) It's not too rough duty to write with a pen or pray or whatever, you know. No calluses, tender, sensitive. Why? Because I quit doing the things that made them calloused. I quit doing the things that made them insensitive. Amen. No matter how dull a Christian has become, no matter how many times they've overridden their conscience and ignored their heart, you can still get back to being sensitive like when you were first born again. And even better, you just begin to obey. Begin to obey. When your heart bothers you, fix it. 
Fix it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Fix it. Your heart bothered. Don't be full of pride. Don't be ignorant. You miss it with somebody immediately. Pick up the phone. Say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that to you. That was wrong. Don't know what I was thinking. Would you forgive me? You do something wrong. Make it right. Amen. Why? Because your spiritual sensitivity depends on it. Your hearing from God depends on it. It could save your life. Could save your kids' lives. Save you from wasting your money in a bad investment and all kind of things. We can't afford to be dull to the Holy Ghost. Hmm? Something he's been dealing with you to do and you didn't do. Just repent and do it. Obey every day and you'll be sensitive always. Amen? Obey. Follow. What do we mean? Your conscience, your heart. Keep your conscience clear. Keep it free. You need to be able to lay down at night and go, you know, as far as I know, I did everything I knew to do today. And if I messed up, I made it right the best I knew how. Hmm? And you'll sleep good. Conscience is clear. And that's not the main thing. You'll wake up sensitive to the Holy Ghost. I said sensitive to the Holy Ghost. The scripture says in Hebrews that the blood washes us. In fact, I'm moving too quick. Turn there. Hebrews, and this is closing, I think. The blood of Jesus is the only conscience cleanser. What can fix a guilty conscience? What can restore a hurt conscience? What can make sensitive again a dulled, seared conscience? The blood of the Lamb has that power. I said, has that power. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter... And the second verse, 10-2, it says, talking about the sacrifices that they offered all the time for sin, if they had done the job, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshipers, once purged or cleansed, should have had what? No more conscience of sin. Verse 22. 22 of Hebrews 10. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance, assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled, that's with the blood of the Lamb, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Can you have confidence? Huh? Can you know that you're cleansed? You're clean. Your heart and your conscience is free and pure. Go back to the ninth chapter. 9 and 14. Well, I need to back up. Verse 11. Hebrews 9, 11. Are you ready to shout? Hmm? Now, do you know what we're talking about? Can your conscience be clean? Can it be free? Unencumbered? Unhindered? And can you be sensitive to God? Can you lay across your bed in the nighttime and know what he's saying to you? I'm not talking about hearing voices and seeing visions, but just being sure, knowing this is him. I remember on a mission trip some years ago down in uh, Central America, we had built a church. We had had some wonderful tent meetings and some really some miracles happened, some amazing things happened. And I was coming back on the commercial airplane. I was looking out the window. I was a little bit tired, but it was a good kind of tired. You know, you felt like, boy, we got something done, you know, and uh, I just I looked out the window and I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing those things. And I was just sitting there and got quiet. He said to me, thank you for going. Just as clear, just as clear. I said, well, you're welcome. I mean, <laughs> does he talk to us? You can sensitize, just like you can dull your spirit, you can sensitize your spirit so you can know. You can be sure. Can you say amen? Amen. I know there's been times in my life that I walked closer to God than other times. And there's been some times in my life, I just, you know, from the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed, you just know what you're supposed to do. You know it just as well as you know your name. It's so clear to you. It's so plain to you. Friend, you can't put a price on that. Can you? To know you're in the perfect will of God. Know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Man, that gives you such satisfaction and fulfillment in life. Can you have that? It's yours. You're supposed to have it. If you've missed it, if you've messed up, listen to this scripture. He said, Christ, 
Verse 11, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater, more perfect tabernacle, not made of hands. Verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Is there something that can cleanse the conscience? Purge the conscience. From failures, from faults, from problems, it is the blood of the Lamb. Stand up on your feet. I want us to act on this right now. In the name of Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer. And we are going to be a Spirit-led bunch. Is that right? We're going to know the will of God. We're going to know the leadings of the Lord. Even in the small things of life, you're going to get sharper and sharper and more and more sensitive. Somebody say amen. amen. Close your eyes and say it out loud and pray to the Lord. Say, Father God, thank you for saving me and putting your Holy Spirit inside me and allowing him to bear witness with my spirit. I receive the full effect of the cleansing purging of the blood of the lamb of my conscience cleanse me purge me of all bad conscience guilty conscience hurt conscience wash me cleanse me purge me inside and out I receive it In Jesus' name. And open my eyes. Show me where I've ignored you. Where I've overridden my conscience. Quench the Spirit. Ignored your dealings and leadings. And I will do so no more. When you lead me, I will heed you. I will follow you. If I've missed it, I'll repent. I'll get it right. I won't be too proud. I won't hold back. I won't delay. When you direct me, I will follow you. I will obey you. Cause me to be more and more sensitive, alert, and aware to your Holy Spirit. I am your sheep. I know your voice. And I follow you. And a stranger I won't follow. Hallelujah. Put up your hands and and thank the Lord. Thank you, 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 Lord. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.